y'all ready for the word? All right, help me bring Pastor Chris to the stage. Good morning, everybody. Uh, are you awake this morning? Are you awake? Are you sure? You're sure? Are we awake this morning? Because it's Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday. We should be excited about Pentecost. And if you don't know why we should be excited about Pentecost, I'm going to tell you, okay? But before we get to that, I read a story uh, here just recently about uh, an Israeli soldier, a young man who was in the Israeli army who met Messiah. He got just radically saved, just totally in love with Jesus, so much so that he's just telling everybody in his company about Jesus all the time. Are you telling everybody about Jesus all the time? Are we still radically saved? Do you remember when you got saved? Yes. I know it was a long time ago for some of you. Do you remember when you got saved? We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Are you still excited about the fact that Jesus Christ changed your life? Okay, okay. So this Israeli soldier, he and his company, they're out on patrol one night, and they're they're in a part of the city that has had some issues. You know, there's been some clashes. We know that, that in Israel, that the Palestinians and, and the Jews, they, they clash at times, right? So they're in a part of the, the city where there had been some problems, and they come upon this van that is just parked someplace where it should not be, and it's late. And during this time, there happened to be a curfew, so people were not supposed to be out past a certain time. So there's suddenly a van someplace where it's not supposed to be. There's nobody with it. So they start wondering, right? So the company decided the guy with all the faith should be the one to go check it out, right? So they send this, this, this lover of Jesus to go check out the van. And as he's starting to walk towards the van, he's got his rifle with him. A man comes out of a nearby uh, apartment uh, building, moving really fast towards the van. And the, the soldier's coming around the end of the van. This man's coming really fast this way, and they meet up. And the soldier puts his, puts his uh, rifle up and you know, tells him uh, to stop and starts asking him questions. Who are you? Why are you out here? Uh, you're out after curfew. What's going on? And the man that had come out of the apartment building stopped. He said, I'm a Palestinian, but I'm a Christian pastor. And the soldier says, so you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Yes, I do. Then so he start, the, the pastor's starting to wonder, now why is this guy quizzing me on my, my, my theo, theology? The guy says, so you believe that Jesus died and he rose again? And he said, yes, I do. And the soldier put his, his rifle down and he said, well, brother, let's worship the Lord together. That's the power of Pentecost. See, Jesus came and he was our, our Passover 
lamb. He bought the right for us. He paid the price so we could connect with God. Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came to empower us to live like we're saved. Amen? Are we living like we're saved? (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. I love the Holy Spirit. (laughs) What is Pentecost? The word Pentecost means 50th. It means 50th. It's 50 days since the resurrection. Pentecost runs along with the Jewish Feast of Weeks or what is called Shavat, which is 50 days since Passover. And there are a lot of parallels between Shavat and Pentecost. I just want to share a few of them with you right now. First of all, the first Shavat, the first uh, Feast of Weeks, you can read about it in Exodus uh, 19 through 31 there. Uh, God gave the law. So in essence, it's the birth or the birthday of Israel. On the first Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and wrote law on our hearts. So it's the birthday of the Christian church. The first Shavuot, you go read it, it says that there were noises, there was loud sounds. Sounds like, like somebody blowing a trumpet or something like that. On the first Pentecost, it says there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. What does that sound like? Doesn't sound like this. That's not a mighty rushing wind. Has anybody ever really been around a tornado? I've been around a tornado. What does it sound like? That's what everybody says. Like a train, like a train coming through. Sometimes it even sounds like somebody blowing that train whistle. Could that kind of be like a trumpet sound? It also says that when God appeared on the mountain, there was fire. At the first Shavuot. But at the first Pentecost, it says there were tongues of fire when God showed up. Right? The first Shavuot, now this was not, this is not in, uh, this is not in the Bible, but it's in the Talmud, which is uh, basically a rabbi's commentary, old rabbi's commentary on uh, the law in the Old Testament. In the Shavuot, I mean, in the Talmud, it says that when God was speaking the words of the law to Moses, that each word divided into 70 tongues to represent the nations of the world, to represent the languages that were spoken. What happened at the first Pentecost? Divided tongues. You know, when I first got saved and I first read that, I didn't like that. 
Because to me, it sounds like it's a, a, a forked tongue, like, like a serpent or something like that. But what it's really saying is the tongues were divided. Why were the tongues divided? I can tell you're sitting on the edge of your seat with anticipation for me to give you the answer. The tongues were divided because Acts 2 says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. At the first Shabbat, Israel played the fool, built a golden calf, and worshipped it. And the price for sin was that 3,000 people died. At the first Pentecost, God was worshipped. And the reward was 3,000 people were saved. Think God had a plan? That Shabbat, the law, was given and it reveals sin, which condemns us. But at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has revealed Jesus who saves us. So are we a church of Pentecost? Are we a church of Pentecost? I'm not asking if you're a Pentecostal church, because if we say we're a Pentecostal church, everybody thinks that, we're going to focus on tongues this morning. Did tongues happen? Yes. Are tongues still available? Yes. Are tongues still important? Yes. But guess what? Tongues was not the whole focus. It was a means to an end. So what does a church of Pentecost look like? First, it's a united church. In Acts 2, 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. Now, I know it's easy to sit, and I'm not accusing anybody who happens to be watching us today, but there's something about being all together and being in the same place. The King James Version says they were all with one accord in one place. And I like that. I like that translation better. The Greek word there translated either together or accord, it means to be of one mind. They were all in one place with one mind or for one thing, for one reason. That Greek word comes from a two-word compound, which literally means to rush together in unison. Moving in the same direction. Guess what? When the Holy Spirit shows up, we can move quickly. And we can move in the same direction because we're in one accord. We're in unity. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to preach whether you like it or not. <laughs> Thank you. Unity brings an anointing that will never be present in a singular entity. 
Never. Because unity takes trust in each other. We have to trust each other. It's easy to trust me. What I want, what I like. But when you, anybody in here married? (laughs) Did you have to learn to trust each other so you could be in unity together? Yes. Yes. On lots of things, right? Whether the ketchup goes in the refrigerator or in the pantry, did I have to trust her that it was better cold? Unity takes trust, and it takes work, but it's worth it. In Romans 15, verse 5, it says, May the God of endurance and encouragement. You know, we could stop right there. We could stop right there, and we could preach on that for a while. The God of endurance and encouragement. You ever feel like you need some endurance? You ever feel like you need some encouragement? Where are we going to get it? From God. Why? Because he's got it. Because he is the El Shaddai God. He is the God that is all sufficient in himself. If I need some encouragement, he doesn't have to go find it somewhere. If I need some endurance, he doesn't have to go make it for me. It's who he is. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony... What's another word for harmony? Unity. Thank you. In such unity with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does unity do? It glorifies God. It glorifies God. And when it says with one voice, that doesn't mean that that we're all robots and we all do it the same way. But it's one heart. One heart. All right. We have to be a church of unity, but we also have to be a willing church. In verse 4 there in Acts 2, it says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We have to be willing to be used by God in ways we don't even understand. Because if we completely understand it, it might not be God. Do you really want to serve a God that you can completely figure out? I watch people try to figure out God all the time. He's God. And if we're going to be a willing church, we have to be willing to be used by God in ways that may seem be be different. Now, that does not make the Holy Spirit weird. Who makes the Holy Spirit weird? I'm looking at you. So stop it. The Holy Spirit is not weird, but he will ask you to do things that are outside the box. I remember a story that I heard from an evangelist, and this happened years ago. He was going into a little convenience store 
just going in and he was going to get a, a drink and he was going to leave. Went to the back of the store back there where all the, the coolers are and, you know, uh, getting ready just to pull out his favorite drink. And the Lord says, do a handstand. Stand on your head is really what he said. Stand on your head. Now, see, God would never ask me to do that. Why? Because I'd fall over, right? But God spoke to him and said, stand on your head. You know there was an argument. Lord, I'm going to stand it on my head. What do you get thee behind me, Satan? What's wrong? Stand on your head. God wasn't, wasn't giving him any reasoning. He just said, stand on your head. Oh, Lord. So this guy gets down. He looks around. He said, suddenly there was nobody around him. He gets down. Maybe God's just checking my heart. See if I'm willing. He gets down and he does a, a handstand there. He gets standing on his head. And right when he kicks those legs up, a man walks around the corner, looks at him, and bursts out into tears. And he tells him, people have been telling me about this God. Didn't even ask him if he knew God. He said, somebody's been telling me about this God, and I was walking in this store saying, God, if you're real, make somebody stand on their head. So there in the back of a 7-Eleven, this guy meets Jesus because someone was willing. To be a church of Pentecost, we have to be willing to step out into something different. If God says do something different, you do something different. If God says do it again, you do it again. All right, the third thing a church of Pentecost will be is an amazed church. Verse 7, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? I want to ask a question. You know, let me tell you a story first. I'm sitting on the beach two weeks ago. <laughs> Wish I was still there. But I was sitting on the beach, and I'm just watching the waves roll in, and I start thinking about the tide. The tide comes in, and the tide goes out. Tide comes in, and the tide goes out. And I start thinking, God, you created that. Only you in all of your infinite wisdom would know that the tide needs to come in and the tide needs to go out. And this, this sense of awe just came over me. Are we still in awe of God? Or does God become kind of this thing that we do? It's kind of commonplace. Remember, I asked you, do you remember the day that you were saved? I remember the day that I was saved. And I'm still in awe of the fact that he changed me. Not only did he change me, but he said, I want to use you. Does that not put you in awe? Are you still in awe? Are you still amazed by the goodness of God? When we get down to the end of this service, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down here. And every week, somebody is touched by the presence and the power of God. Does that not cause us to be amazed? 
Lord, I go, eh, you know, if, if we run now, we can get to the restaurant before everybody else. Are we amazed by God? Are we in awe of God? Are we in awe that I can open my mouth and speak to the creator of the universe? I want to be in awe. (laughs) I want to be amazed by God. All right, the next thing that a church of Pentecost is, is a multicultural church. Acts 2.9, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. From the very beginning, this is the birthday of the church, from the very beginning, God made sure that it was a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. He made sure there was representation from different cultures. Why? Because he didn't want just one people. He wants all people. Remember, Jesus said, he said, my house shall be a house of prayer for what? All nations, all nations. Do you remember what he was doing when he said that? Chasing people out of the temple. (laughs) People had set up in the outer court and they're selling things and they're doing things. And that's probably not the smartest thing to do. But you, know, you really want to know the reason Jesus ran people out of the, the outer court there? Because that was the only place that women and people who were not of the Jewish race could go worship. He said, I didn't set this up so you could make a bunch of money. I set this up so it could be a house of prayer for all nations. Are we a house of prayer for all nations? The scripture says we hear them telling in our own tongues of the mighty works of God. Are we willing to present Jesus in a way that others will understand? Are we willing to be inconvenienced to be a church of Pentecost? What does that mean? May look different, may be different. Or do we just want to do it the way we've always done it? I believe we're called to be a multicultural church, and I'm talking about NCC right now. I believe we're called to be a multicultural, multiracial church. All right, and last but not least, a church of Pentecost is a Jesus-centric church. Acts 2.22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst 
As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because, because, I love this, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Man, we can get off on a whole nother message about that. But Jesus laid his life down. Do you hear that? He said, I give up my spirit. He laid his life down, but it couldn't hold him down. It could not hold him down. He was the prince of peace. Could not hold him down. He is the author of life. It could not hold him down. Verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? The simple gospel, the simple presentation of Jesus Christ. If we ever get to the place where Jesus is not enough, we've missed the mark. If we lift up doctrine over Jesus, now is doctrine good? Doctrine is good. But we don't lift up doctrine over Jesus. And there are some people that lift up doctrine over Jesus. Doctrine should help us understand Jesus better. And the more we understand Jesus, the more we love. But I know people who study doctrine and it just causes them to hate. To hate people that don't think just like they think. Lisa and I were talking to to some of our neighbors here recently. And... uh, they're getting ready to build a, another house, and the, the man that lives in the house next to the place where they're building the house, she said, they had asked about the people on the other side. And they, the, the man said, well, you know, I kind of watch them. They're Episcopal. You got to watch out for those Episcopals. Listen to me. <laughs> We just need to focus on Jesus. Just focus on Jesus. We don't need to focus on denominations, sex, or cliques. If you go to a denominational church and that's where the Lord has planted you, that's great. But the denomination is not bigger than Jesus. Here's another one, and I've I've seen this. People lift up the gifts of the Spirit above Jesus. Are the gifts of the Spirit good? Yes. Do we need them in operation? Yes. But are they higher than Jesus? No. I watch people, they'll run from from conference to conference to conference to conference. Oh, oh, I need a new revelation. Oh, oh, I need this. I need this. I need, no, you need Jesus. Because most of those people are not living the last revelation that they got. You know, the Bible says that that there will come a time when when people, they want teachers with itchy ears. 
What in the world does that mean? That means say something that's going to tickle my ear. Say, say, say something that's going to go, ooh. But it's about Jesus, isn't it? It's about Jesus. Do we want to see signs and wonders? I'm afraid to answer now. <laughs> of course we do. But these signs shall follow them that what? Believe, believe in what? Jesus. Jesus. They believe in Jesus. Not the wonders, not the signs. They believe in Jesus. So it should be following us because we believe in Jesus. Are signs and wonders following you? I wonder every morning why this beautiful woman married me. <laughs> it should be following us because we believe in Jesus, not because I'm seeking, seeking sight. Jesus said that it's an evil and adulterous generation that just seeks a sign. So we don't lift that above Jesus. Are you listening? We don't lift social outreach above Jesus. Is social outreach good? Yes. Should we do social outreach? Should we be connecting with the community? Yes. yes. But there are some people that have become so social, they have forgotten about Jesus. And I know you've never seen this one. But there are some people that lift up politics over Jesus. Let me say this in such a way that I'm very clear with what I'm saying. <laughs> there is a political spirit that is alive in our nation. And it is nothing but a religious spirit with a different mask on. And what does this spirit do? Divides. What does this spirit do? Cause you to dislike and even hate people that don't vote like you vote. Don't think just like you think. Does that sound like a unified church of Pentecost? No, so it's the enemy coming to divide. Now, is it wrong to, to vote and be political? No, absolutely not. But we don't lift it above Jesus. And when we refuse to lift it above Jesus, we begin to, 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 to even understand what somebody else may be thinking because of the experiences that, that they've gone through. I don't care what you read on the internet. You don't know everything. God built it in such a way, even the church, even the church, that in ourselves, we don't have all the answers. We don't. We have to have each other, right? Right? Even in ministry, you mean, uh, no, because I'm the senior pastor. Everything I say goes. I'm right in everything. I'm kind of like the Pope. Anything I think and say must be God. Right? No. 
See, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that he who descended, now who's he? Jesus, that's right. Jesus is always the answer, right? He who descended also ascended. He led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. What were those gifts? These are the gifts of Jesus, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. Why did he give them? To equip the saints. Now I'm a pastor. So can I do all the equipping? No, I can't. Wasn't meant to. Now, do you think that uh, uh, an evangelist and a prophet may see things differently in certain places? Yes, why? Because they were created to. They were created to see things differently. But if we don't have all five, if we don't honor all five, we're not going to be a united church. We're not going to be a Christ-centric church. We're going to be a lopsided church. You ever try to drive a car on a tire with no air in it? Doesn't work very well, does it? We need all the gifts in operation. We need all of the Jesus gifts in operation as well as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we have to lift up Jesus. Anything we're lifting up higher than Jesus means we're missing it. Why? Because Jesus said that if he be lifted up, he would draw all men to himself. And if Jesus is lifted up, what's the result? What's the result of being a church of Pentecost? The very last thing that is said in Acts chapter 2. The very last thing that said, the Lord added to their numbers day by day. What's the goal? Getting people saved, right? And if we get people saved, man, that gives the pastor and the teacher something to do, doesn't it? So what's the application? I know you've been sitting here listening to me for the last 30 minutes. With the, Here's a bunch of information. Take all this information. What do we do with this information? So here's the application. I want you to just ask yourself some questions, okay? Jesus appeared to over 500 people, the Bible tells us, after his resurrection. Yet the Bible also tells us there was only 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. So ask yourself this question. Do I have the heart of the 120 or do I have the heart of the 380 who were busy that day? I knew it was going to get quiet. That's okay. Are we rushing together in unison? Or have I got something else to do? Are you willing to be used for the kingdom of God even if it's in a way you don't understand? Do you think that those 120 people in the upper room 
understood tongues. Well, we're 2,000 years later and we still don't really understand it. <laughs> right? And I'm talking about people that, that, that even operate in the gift of, of tongues. It still doesn't make sense to our mind, does it? If God told you to stand on your head, would you do it? Are we willing to work to be a part of something that transcends racial, economic, political, and even national divides? That's a church of Pentecost. And here's the last question. Is Jesus still enough? Is Jesus still enough? Is there something telling you, oh man, I need more than I need more than this. I need something. I need something. I need something. No, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. That we live in, in, in a world where there's so much turmoil going on. And I know it seems like there's so much more right now, but you know, ask people from years past, they'd probably say there was just as much. But why? Because there's always going to be turmoil. There's always going to be uh, things going on. This just happens to be the part of it we get to experience. Is Jesus the answer? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough to get us through our hurts? Is Jesus enough to get us through all of our worries? Is Jesus enough? Now, we know the right answer. <laughs> yes, of course, Jesus is. But are we living in such a way that says, yes, Jesus is? And if we, those of us willing to come to church on a Sunday, if we are not living like Jesus is enough, how can we expect the world to ever crave Jesus? Because you are his billboard. You're in sales, whether you like it or not. Where are you? Will you stand with me? On this Pentecost Sunday... On this Pentecost Sunday. What area of our life do we need a power of the Holy Spirit to come into and continue to reveal Jesus? That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when he comes, he's going to teach you about me. Oh, I want to I be in, in a more intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to know his voice more clearly. And by doing so, I know that more of Jesus is going to be seen through me. Amen? So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? Let's just bow our heads.
Father, I thank you for your great plan. Your plan before you ever created this world. We know that scripture says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Before you ever created it, the plan was already in place. The plan to purchase back your greatest creation, humans. But you also had a plan to make these jars of clay, these fleshly tubs, to be the temples of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, this, on this day, we celebrate when you poured your spirit into men and women. But Lord, it wasn't just so we could speak in tongues. It was so we could live out loud. Lord, we want to live out loud for you. Not only do we want to be collectively a church of Pentecost, but Lord, we want to live out loud the fact that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we declare boldly that Jesus is enough. He is enough. Lord, we choose to stand in awe. We choose to be amazed by you. We choose to open our eyes to see the things that you're doing. Lord, we choose to be used by you, even when it's in a way we don't understand. And Lord, we choose to fight for a church and for a community where everyone is welcome, everyone is honored, everyone is loved. And Lord, I ask you to do it in me as you do it in the church. If you agree with that prayer, just put your hand over your heart. Say, do it in me, Lord. Do it in me, Lord. Do it in me. As you do it in this church, as you do it in churches all throughout. Tyler. Oh, what a glorious thing, Lord. What a glorious thing that you would choose. Tyler, Texas. That you would choose to bring revival to Tyler, Texas. Lord, it's so glorious. We want to be like that Israeli soldier. Let's worship him together. Let's worship him together. Lord, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And Lord, we stand against every demonic thing that would try to come and discourage your body, discourage your people, hold them in a place of bondage. We stand against it in Jesus' name. Lord, we stand against old mindsets. We kick over sacred cows and we declare that this is the body of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're willing to be the guinea pigs and the examples. Happy Pentecost. Jesus, we love you. Lord, I thank you. 
that as we choose to follow you, we will be like the church of Acts and you will add to our number daily those who are being saved. Lord, we thank you for that. Our greatest pleasure is to to be your hands, your feet, your eyes, your mouth, to tell of the wondrous works of our Lord. Yes, Jesus. Amen.